You're listening to the Boss Yourself First podcast, Season 1, Episode 3. If you want to be an effective leader, the first person you want to lead effectively is yourself. Self-leadership helps you create better relationships and a more fulfilling life, and in turn, lead others in a more authentic and impactful way. If this piques your interest, then stick around. I'm Robin White, your host, and this is Boss Yourself First. Hey friends, welcome to the next episode of the Boss Yourself First podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I don't know about where you are, but it is a beautiful day today. I'm recording this about mid-September, and it's really warm and sunny outside, and the mornings have just that tiny touch of fall. You didn't know you were tuning in for the weather, but there you go. Sometimes I need to remind myself that it is a beautiful day and that life is amazing and precious. It's part of how I show up filled up for myself and for my clients and for you. And it gives me the bandwidth to bring my best and hopefully create value for you. I just try to take a moment and pause and say, okay, what do I need to do to show up filled up? Some of the things I do, I try to get good rest, uh, I eat, I have a little snack, I have a cup of tea. I have a short prayer time beforehand and really express some gratitude and let that slowly fill me up for just a few minutes. It doesn't actually take that long. I'm putting this show up filled up practice out there, even though, and maybe especially because we're focusing on emotional agility. I don't want us to become so myopic on one subject during the season that we forget about choosing practices that support self-leadership, no matter what podcast season we're in. I hope that you are feeling filled up today. That was a little tricky to say. I'm so glad you're here for this episode, episode three in our season of working on emotional agility. Our first two episodes, we laid the foundation for our work, kind of got some principles and um, some things to find. So we're all on the same page. And today we're going to actually dive into some skills, going to start developing that muscle. Speaking of muscles, about five years ago, I was in rehab after a pretty major knee surgery. And I went to physical therapy. It was really kind of my first experience with physical therapy. And my physical therapist surprised me because I was not just exercising my injured knee. I mean, we did stretches and heat and all those things for the injured knee. But when we got to actually building some muscle, it wasn't just the knee. It was the other knee, also my core muscles. And he explained that I was not just helping strengthen the injured knee, but I was also trying to replenish the muscles that had been supporting the injured knee um, prior to the surgery and teaching those muscles how to fire in the proper sequence again. And that's kind of like our approach to emotional agility. I've talked about it being sort of a muscle that we're developing, and I think that the work we're going to do today is actually kind of like working the core strength of emotional agility. What I refer to in my book, which I don't even think I've told you guys about yet, but I promise to circle back to that a little later. Anyway, I call it emotional literacy. Dr. Susan David, a Harvard professor that we've talked about in previous podcasts, who wrote the book called Emotional Agility, refers to this sort of as emotional vocabulary. And psychologist Lisa Feldman Barrett also describes something similar, and she calls it emotional granularity. 
which she defines as adaptive value of putting feelings into words with a high degree of complexity. Adaptive value of putting feelings into words with a high degree of complexity. There's a lot of similarity in the terms, and while emotional literacy is not something I coined, I am going to share my definition so that we're all on the same page. Since literacy means the ability to read and write in a way that shows understanding, we're talking about specifically emotional literacy, which means we have an understanding of our emotions, knowledge of how we experience them, and language to express them. That's it, emotional literacy. So far, this season, we've talked a lot about Dr. David's work, which makes sense since many of us are reading the book, Emotional Agility, in our book club, um, or have already read it. I bring this up because I wanted to talk to you for a minute about the benefits of this emotional granularity or emotional vocabulary. Dr. David says, emotional granularity is associated with high levels of resilience, lower levels of depression, or lower levels of anxiety, lower levels of burnout. And we see this not only in adults, we see this in children, children as young as two, who start developing these skills around emotional granularity. This is why I believe it's the core work of building our emotional agility. High levels of resilience, lower levels of depression and anxiety, lower levels of burnout. This makes so much sense because we're taking what is unknown or lesser known and making it known. We're kind of normalizing it. Of course it reduces our anxiety. And I want that for us, so let's get literate, people. Studies have shown that just getting accurate labels for your feelings bring relief from uncomfortable emotions and help create that space between stimulus and response where we can respond to a circumstance implying choice instead of reacting implying impulse. Remember as I've been encouraging you all to download the Emotional Agility Measurement Scale on the website? Well, I always say that it's helping create awareness and that awareness is the beginning of all work. Becoming conscious of what you know and don't know. Pulling something that is so deeply tucked away in your unconscious is going to take a bit of work on your part, on my part. But the goal is first to raise the awareness of emotions and how you experience them and then get language that accurately describes those emotions. This involves checking in on a regular basis and getting curious about what emotions you're experiencing. So what could that look like? Let's say I'm going to check in first thing at 8 a.m. Check in with myself, that is. I'm not calling you at 8 a.m. No, I'm checking in with myself. So let's say at 8 a.m. I'm feeling some guilt about not getting my exercise done before my first meeting. How do I experience guilt? I feel a sort of pressing down on my shoulders and my chin sort of feels heavy and droopy and my throat gets tight. This is the kind of check that will help build my emotional literacy. But there are a couple of obstacles that might trip us up. The first obstacle is judgment. Judgment about the emotion and the thoughts and behavior I associate with it. Okay, the second obstacle is self-criticism. We can be so much harder on ourselves than we are on other people, especially when we really start noticing things about ourselves, like kind of how when you look in the mirror at your nose and all of a sudden, it just starts looking really wrong, like it doesn't fit your face anymore. These are the two obstacles we are going to combat. I'm telling you this now so that you can be prepared ahead of time when judgment and self-criticism rear their ugly heads as you start skill building. And preparing ahead of time is how you'll combat it. 
And the first strategy of combat is exactly that, being ready for it to appear. We have two more weapons to combat judgment and self-criticism tripping us up in our work. The first one was being ready ahead of time. The second two are curiosity and compassion. I realize this may sound a bit off track and perhaps even strange, but hang with me and try to be open to the idea of this technique. I'd like you to come up with two names. One is the name for your observer self, that person you slip into to observe your normal human self. For example, coming up with a name might be something like Curious George, which for me has very positive connotations, or Inquisitive Aaron, or Sherlock. Just something that reminds you in your inner dialogue to be curious. And I do recommend that be an inner dialogue. I mean, or at least when you're alone or in your car, if you want to talk out loud, or I guess you can always pretend you're on your phone. And honestly, I assume people are probably on Bluetooth or something if I see them walking down the street talking to themselves. So, you know, you be you. Anyway, I digress. The observer side of you is to remind you to be curious. The other name I'd like you to come up with is an endearment. You see, this observer you is extremely fond of the everyday human you. For example, dear Robin, or honey, or sweetheart, whatever has a positive connotation for you. I'll tell you, my dad used to call me sweetness, and he did that in front of his staff one time. Um, A few people on his staff overheard that, and forever in that company, and I was doing some volunteer work for that company, um, forever for that with that company, I was called Sweetness, or I was also called Walter Payton, because that was his nickname at the time. So those were kind of interchangeable in that group. Uh, You are welcome to borrow Sweetness as your endearment if you want to, but as I said, other ideas would be like Buddy or Honey, whatever you would call someone that you love. I hear you rolling your eyes, and I am a parent, so I can actually hear that. It's like a superpower that comes with having children. I hear you rolling your eyes and asking how any of this could possibly build emotional literacy. Well, because you're observing alter ego that loves your human self can combat judgment by approaching emotional literacy with curiosity and compassion. Remember, those are our weapons. You'll already be asking observer questions. The observing persona just helps kind of cement that. Curious George and Sweetness are like switches that remind you to turn on curiosity and compassion as you do your observing. Okay, I appreciate that you entertained the idea of doing the observer alter ego. If that's not for you, it's okay. Um, Keep up with the work, and especially if you don't struggle staying out of self-judgment and criticism, just be aware that they could show up and remember how you combat them with curiosity and self-compassion. My goal on this podcast is to present you with principles and practices that work. And your job is to determine your takeaways and the actions you find interesting and that you want to give a try. By the way, I would love to hear about your takeaways and your practices, the ones that you try out, and I'd like to hear how they go for you. Hi there. I wanted to take a quick moment a pause in our episode just to remind you about the book club for the Boss Yourself First Facebook group. For each season on the Boss Yourself First podcast, I choose a book that supports the work that we're doing. This season's book is Emotional Agility by Dr. Susan David. Now, one of my listeners asked me if I had an affiliate sort of relationship with this book, and I do not. I only choose books that I feel support our work together. This is a good one. 
So what we do, if you're interested, grab a copy of the book and join us in the Facebook group for Boss Yourself First. There you can grab a reading guide and join in live Facebook discussions with me. I look forward to meeting you there. All right, back to work. Creating Emotional Literacy, which supports our emotional agility muscle building. To help you out with this, I've put a downloadable tracking page on our website under this episode. But you can absolutely just make notes, make like a notes file on your phone if that's easier. You might want to look at the tracking page though just to kind of make it all clear, although I'm going to try and lay it out for you right here. Here's your practice. You set an alarm on your phone for at least three times a day to check in with yourself on your emotions. When that alarm sounds, your observer self, who may or may not be wearing a deerstalker cap, um, will ask your regular human self, with the endearment please, what emotion are you feeling right now? Next, so you make a note of that, and you make a note of the time. Next, you will write down where in your body do you feel it. So I'm going to give you an example. All right, here it goes. In my case, if I were speaking it out loud, which I probably wouldn't, but it might sound something like this. The alarm sounds. Hey, Curious George, it's time to check in on Sweetness and see what she's feeling. So, what are you feeling, Sweetness? And how are you experiencing that? It's that simple, guys. It's not hard. It, it just, the alarm really helps you kind of continue the practice. It's so funny because when I said that, I felt like I was in the Friends episode. You know, the one with the, um, was the Holiday Armadillo. Yeah, I could hear the voice Ross made for that in my head. And I'm sorry, I know, I told you I like Friends. But I'm going to make a promise right here. It's recorded. I will edit out any more Friends references for the rest of this season. Only this season. All right, anyway, depending on your current level of emotional literacy, these questions will be easier for some than others. And if it's hard, well, then the first day that you try this, the first day you've set your alarms, then just be okay with kind of a general description. But in the next day or so, try for more detailed descriptions. For example, the first day, it might be, I feel stressed and my body feels restless. So the emotion I'm experiencing is this, and I feel restless. So then maybe on day three, after you've kind of gotten some practice going, getting your confidence up about it, you might say something more like, I'm feeling anxious about the deadline I missed this morning, and my shoulders are tight, and my breathing is shallow. So you're getting a little bit more detailed, and you can flesh it out even more. I will tell you what, and I'll try and remember to put a link to this in the show notes. I am a writer, and I was writing, gosh, probably six years ago. I was working on some fiction, and I got a great book called The Emotions Thesaurus. And it's so fun because it's all these different emotions, and it's how they show up in your body, just so that you can have accurate character descriptions. But I find it useful with clients sometimes to just help them do this work, to just sort of having a pushing off point to get kind of, as Dr. Feldman Barrett said, granular in the way that we describe our emotions. So just really capturing some language around that. Remember what Dr. David said? Just getting these emotional labels more accurate can bring you some relief from uncomfortable emotions. I promise this work is worth doing. I've done it. I've done it with clients. It is helpful. And there's a next step to this work, which we'll take in a later episode. I had two different client conversations yesterday. One client is struggling with the loss of a good friend. He entered into the last days of that friend and kept company with death and loss and grief. And the other client is having the opposite struggle of how to celebrate an important 
life milestone for his son during the pandemic and how to celebrate with family and friends and keep everyone safe and comfortable. Both of these dear people are leaning into their emotional agility. I saved sharing this until the end of our time together because I want you to tap into those teachable moments when life presents you opportunities to recognize and exercise your emotional agility. Today's work will create awareness. In fact, if you have been with us from the beginning of this season, you may already have wedged open that door to awareness. But today we talked about getting emotionally literate. And as you tune your brain in to notice your own emotions, you'll also increase your awareness of others' emotions. It's part of that pattern recognition thing that our brains do. Similarly to when you notice your own emotions, you may wrestle with judgment towards other people and and how they're dealing and their emotional agility. But keep leaning into that curiosity and compassion as you notice those around you. We have no idea what kind of loss or even trying to plan a celebration may be taxing their emotional agility right now. But we can be kind observers and we can learn from each other. Okay, I promised that I would circle back to telling you about my current book. The book is called Three Permissions and it's not available yet, (laughs) but it's because it's still in its first round of edits. But I'll keep you posted. I just didn't want to leave you hanging today, so there you have it. Wrapping up, this episode is going to land this plane, wrapping it up. Here's the principle. Learning to speak the language of emotions is important work that brings relief from uncomfortable emotions and increases emotional agility. There's the the principle. Now here's the practice for this episode is to check in with yourself regularly over the next week or two, asking what emotions you're experiencing that moment and how you're experiencing them in your body. Remember, I have the tracker page and the infographic to walk you through this exercise, and I would love to hear how it's going for you, or if you have any questions, DM me on Instagram at BossYourselfFirst, or message me on Facebook. I really do love connecting with you. So until next time, take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found something to grab hold of and apply in your life. As always, any link or information mentioned in this episode can be found at bossyourselffirst.com in the podcast section. And if we haven't connected yet, and I would love to, DM me on Instagram at bossyourselffirst or come to the Boss Yourself First Facebook page and let me know how you're doing and what you think. I would really love to meet you. Thanks for being here and being you. Now get out there and lead with courage and kindness and boss yourself first and add your amazingness to the world. We sure need it. Talk to you soon, my friends.